wanted to take some time, my dad and I, um, just in response to really what the message that God has put on the inside of him right now. Um, talking about this message of courage is just, I, I mean, if there was ever a moment in time, like you ever have those moments where you know that you know that God is doing something and I believe that in this season right now, what God is really impressing on our hearts is this understanding of what it looks like to, to begin to, or to, if I could say it like this, re-step into this courageous style of life. That there's something about Christianity and something that happens to us when we don't just hear about the word. When we don't just know about the word, but that we desire to begin to step into a lifestyle of this. And, you know, this actually happened to me recently, um, and I had an amazing example of it in my life, is, is I love being married. Shout out to my wife, wherever she is. I don't think she's in here right now, but maybe she's watching. No, no, she's in the office. She's in the office. She's, so I love being married, and, and I think that it's amazing, and I love my wife, and it's so good. But I think the thing that I love most of all is I love the fact that I never have to date again, okay? Yeah. Truthfully. And, you know, I'm so thankful that I never have to go on a first date ever again for the rest of my life. You know, when I was younger, yeah, when I was younger, it was cool. And, you know, there was this ego boost and all these things. But now in my life, I can't imagine going on a first date ever again. I mean, it's such a vulnerable and delicate time. You know, you're trying to figure out who's the person that I want to be, who do I think that she thinks I'm supposed to be, and it's like, ugh, too much to deal with. And, and I remember having this thought, right, like I'm about to get married, and this thought popped into my head that I'm never going to kiss another woman for the rest of my life. And most people, you know, as I would talk about it, most people were like, oh, are you nervous? Are you nervous? And I'm thinking to myself, I am absolutely not nervous at all. If I never had to kiss another person, that's, hey, put me in that boat. <laughs> and, and just recently, I was actually reminded of how thankful I am to be married. Because um, I was at dinner, I think it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I was getting dinner with somebody who I had never gotten dinner with before. It was a friend of mine, and we've never gotten dinner. And I remember I showed up to the restaurant, and and I was on time, I think it was at like 5.30 or something, and I was at time, on time, and I sit down, and I ordered a drink, and this person, they weren't there. And you know how that is. At first, you're kind of like, no big deal, right? But then it's, you know, 5.35, and 5.45, and 5.55, and 6 o'clock, and I'm getting nervous, right? Like, I order my drink, and I'm drinking it, and I'm sipping it real slow, because I'm getting nervous about maybe I'm going to get stuff. And it reminded me about that feeling of going on first dates. You know, maybe this happened to you. It happened to me once before, but maybe it happened to you, or maybe you just saw it in movies, and you, like, felt the pain. It's always girls who get stood up, though, right? Like, guys, we got to get it together, Okay. Well, actually, I'm a guy, and I got stood up once, so anyways, that's not the point. My point is, is, is I remembered that feeling of what it felt like to be out on a first date and to, to just experience the vulnerability of what was going on. And, you know, everybody knows the stress that you're dealing with, you know, the thoughts that are going through my head. I wish I would have never ordered this drink. Because now that I order the drink, it means that I have to pay, and it's kind of got this awkward thing, or should I just stay and eat dinner alone and just make it seem like, you know, it's cool or whatever? I'm so nervous, you know, or ultimately what I want to do is like run to the washroom and then quickly run out the door, but I felt like it was stealing because I ordered a drink, and so I didn't know what to do. And, and I mean, all of us have experienced things like this before, maybe on a first date, you know, maybe at a different time in your life. Uh, but honestly, what I began to understand in this is that every single one of us experienced this in some area of our life. Whether it's, maybe it was on a first date with a guy or a girl, you know, but we struggle sometimes to trust when we don't know the nature of someone, right? I mean, like, if I'm going out to dinner with Danielle, and, you know, she could be 535. In fact, most of the time, she's 535, 545, 550. Actually, no, that's not true. I learned something since that I was married, is that Danielle is never late. I'm just always really early, 
Okay, so that's something that new that I learned when I got married. But one of the things that I know is, is that when I am going on a date with something like Danielle, that I know, because I know her nature, and I know the person that she is, and that, you know, she, her on time is later than my on time, it doesn't bother me or stress me out when, she doesn't, when she's not there, because I know her nature. And I think that sometimes what can happen to us is that we walk through life and we struggle. You know, as my dad is preaching about this message on courage, we struggle because, you know, he's making these bold statements about stepping out and, you know, going into these places of the unknown and doing the impossible. And sometimes we can struggle in our Christianity because we don't, we honestly don't. And, and you know, sometimes it's like a hard pill to swallow. But, I mean, in all of our lives, there's areas that we just don't know about the Lord, and so it's challenging to trust him. I mean, I remember this, you know, firsthand when I was in the Sudan. The Sudan was basically the trip from hell, but actually from heaven, okay? Everything about it was bad, but somehow God turned it around for good. Now, I remember at one particular point, now you have to remember, I'm 25 years old when I went to the Sudan, and you know, I had been in church for a long time, I had preached faith messages, I understood what God was doing, but let me tell you, understanding something and having a stage full of demon-possessed people is two totally different things, okay? Like, as, as far as I knew before I went to the Sudan, I was the toughest, strongest. I mean, you could put me in any situation, and I would have been fine. I mean, I would have loved to stand up here and say that, you know, when I got up on stage, and there was the demon-possessed people, and they're growling at me, and foaming at the mouth, and they're like trying to get at me. I wish that I could say that I was just running down the line like, but, 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 right? And they're just like all getting free. But I tell you, I wasn't, okay? I mean, at one point, Mark, the guy that I went to, Mark Davey, uh, he was like, where's Alex? Oh, there he is, like, hiding up. How did he get up on the top of the telephone pole there. And I mean, obviously when I came down, I, I had to let him know that it was the vantage point for the pictures, you know? I had to get up high to get the good pictures. But let me tell you, one of the things that I have discovered is that it's so different when I know the nature of someone versus when I don't know the nature of someone. How many of you know in that example, when I was in the Sudan, there was evidence that Mark knew a nature of God that I didn't because his response was different. It was, and when I understand the nature of my father, there's no reason for me to hide. Yes. Yeah. I think that the, if I could say there, we've got a story that the one that the Lord just keeps bringing me back to. I think I mentioned it a little bit on Sunday. We've got this exact same situation being, being painted for us with, uh, you know, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy there, where, where Moses uh, was, was, you know, they had done the wilderness thing, they had done the Egypt thing, they had done the Red Sea thing, they had done the wilderness, and now it was coming to the end of Moses' life. Mm -hmm. At the end of Moses' life, uh, God said to him, listen, you're not going into the promised land. <laughs> and what we're going to do is I'm going to have Joshua take over for you. You're going to die here in the wilderness and go to heaven. And Joshua is going to take over for you. Well, that sounds like an awesome plan. Imagine when God brought that to Joshua, <laughs> right? This is somebody now who had, who had been a, a stone cutter in Egypt. He had been a slave. He had lived under the sword and the whip of, of Pharaoh for the first 40 years of his life. His perspective at that time was, where the heck is God? Yeah. We're all going to church services, we're all having our fun, and we're all talking about how great God is, we're talking about Joseph and Abraham and Jacob and all these great stories. Meanwhile, everybody is going home to their little hut where they live under the oppression of Pharaoh. So what is Joshua's perspective at this time? Joshua is looking at it going, okay, like if, he was you, if it was you, what would you be saying? You know, I'm tired of singing these songs and going home to potato soup. That's right. I'm tired of hearing about how great our God is when I live a life that says God hasn't bothered helping me, hasn't helped you, hasn't helped me, hasn't helped grandpa or great grandpa or anybody for the last 400 years. All we have are these ancient stories. That's right. You see, it's perspective if you put yourself inside of that moment. And then all of a sudden, the deliverer, Moses, comes, and they step out of that. God does this amazing thing, brings them out of the bondage of Pharaoh, gets them to leave with buckets full of gold. Next thing you know, they've got their back up against the Red Sea. Mm 
God shows them, starts to show them now. They get through and they get finished with Pharaoh. They're thinking, okay, what's on the other side of the Red Sea? Well, the promised land, of course. <laughs> nope. What's on the other side of the Red Sea is another 40 years where God is trying to show people. He's trying to reveal something to them. But these people who lived in Egypt under the oppression of Pharaoh still have what? They still had this concept. Oh yeah, sure, God. That was fun. Cool trick. Love the old, uh, the, the Red Sea thing. And what are you doing for me now? Nothing. That's what you're doing. Sweet, nothing. <laughs> whole bunch of nothing. A whole bunch of nothing. <laughs> Next day, a whole bunch of nothing, a whole bunch of nothing. Whole bu every, oh, there's a little bit of manna on the floor like snow. They pick it up and eat. Okay, God, yeah, I'm kind of tired. You know, a week of that mammon. How many of you have, you know, a week of porridge? You're about done with porridge. Right? And, they, oh, oh, and see their perspective now. Then now you have these people. God, you know, gathers all of these people now. We're at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is getting ready to go to heaven. God says, you ain't going in. So he gathers together. The, listen to the leaders now. I'm going to show you something here. God says... Uh, well, just read something. When Moses had finished giving instructions, now he had all the leaders now of, the, of, the, of, the, of Israel together, and he's giving them a whole bunch of instructions that sound a lot like do what you're told when God talks, okay? Then he says, okay, Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, and he says, I'm now 120 years old. So how many of you know you can live to be 120 years old? That's Amen. not an unusual thing. Yes. Maybe our day it is, but it's not. And I'm no longer able to lead you the Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River, but the Lord your God himself will cross ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there and you will take possessions of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river. Joshua's thinking, <laughs> Joshua will lead you. Wouldn't you be doing that? Yes. Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised. Look at verse six now. He says, so... Now realize now, imagine what's going on in Joshua's mind. Joshua, if you remember, has been there. Everybody else has not been there. All the 12, the 12 spies, 10 of them came back, said, eh, I'm going into the promised land. Joshua, Caleb, they gave thumbs up. But Joshua now knows what's there. He knows the walled cities. He knows the guys are walking around with big guns and big knives and big shoulders and big everything. And these guys, his whole tribe of Israelites have been wandering the desert, throwing sand at each other now for 40 years. <laughs> Joshua, here's the deal. You get to lead these people and you're going to go, we're going to go take over the promised land. I can hear what Joshua's saying in his head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's God say to him? He gives them the master plan right here. He tells him, be strong and courageous. Yes. Amen. I would have thinking, Lord, you can't show me how a nuclear bomb works. Mm -hmm. That's what I'd be looking for. God says, this is what you're going to need. You're going to need to be strong and be courageous. How many of you have ever heard that before? Yeah. How many, somebody come to you and say, you know what you need in this situation? You need to be strong. <laughs> Alex, you know what I need? You know, he called me from the Sudan. I said, Alex, just be courageous. <laughs> right? You think that's the answer, but God, the important thing right now is God does not leave him here. Yes. He doesn't say you should be like this. Listen to what he says. Verse six. So be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not panic. Why would he say that? Do you know why he says that? When he calls me up, he calls Ian up and he says, Ian, you're such a mighty man of valor. Why does he say it? Does anybody know? Because you ain't. Because if you is, he wouldn't have to say you is. That's right. He says what you ain't. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. For the, listen now, this is very important. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. Amen. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Verse 8 here says it again. And you read these, these next three chapters all the way from here to, or if you do 31 plus Joshua chapter 1, which are kind of near each other, this be strong and courageous thing happens over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like God's repeating himself. That's not because he stutters, right? It's because this is what's important about being able to do the thing now that God is calling Joshua to do, yes. what God is calling Victory, Light City Church to do, what God is calling you to do. He's saying, I know that impossible is looking at you. It's, it's, it's going <laughs> right in your face. I know it's doing that. 
I know how that feels, right? You know how that feels. That was the feeling you had on Sunday when everybody says, can I please get out of here, you know, as quickly as I possibly can? Because we know what, it, what staring down the barrel of impossible looks like. Yes. That's what Joshua was doing. God says to him, he said, listen, if you want to get over this, what Pastor Alex is saying, he says, you need to be able to know that your God will personally go ahead of you. Yes. Amen. He will never leave you or abandon you. If you go to verse eight there, he will be with you and he will never fail you. What are all those things talking about? Those things are all talking about the nature of God. See, what was the difference between Joshua? Now, Joshua was the original generation, right? He was the Egypt. He lived under the whip of Pharaoh. But while all the other Israelites were, were shaking their fists to go, where are you, God? What are you doing, God? What have you done for me lately, God? You know what the problem is? And, and, I, and I've seen it in my life repeatedly, be, 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 all the time. Let me show you. It's really easy. Here's what the problem is. This is the problem. This, it's not in perspective, <laughs> is God. This is Let's say, let's see, I'll use your name. No, I won't. I'll use my name. This is Ian. When Ian is the middle of an impossible situation, which way is he looking? Just take a moment. Think about this. If you get this, you'll understand why God said you must have courage and you must, when you are in the place where you want to be afraid and you want to panic, you want to be dismayed, you want to be troubled, you are all those things when you're looking that way. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We should get, is Melanie here? Dan, is Melanie here? She could do this way better than me. When Joshua now was, or let's say the Israelites, when the Israelites were in Egypt, which way were they looking? Problem. When they were in the, in, the, in the wilderness, which way were they looking? Problem. Right? And so when it came time for them to face now the real problems, now you weren't just going to, you're going to be a submissive slave in Egypt. Well, just do what you're told and work hard. You'll be fine. You just wander through the desert with some more manna and quail and, you know, hit a couple rocks and you'll be fine, right? Now you're going to go pick a fight. You're going to go across the Jordan River now into the land that is this triangular piece of land in the very center of the known world, and they're going to go pick a fight with people who really know how to fight. That's right. hmm. And people who are going to be like, like many of us perhaps have grown up, we're looking at the problem all the time. And what happens with that? That is afraid. That is panic. That is, what's the other one in there? It is uh, despair. Discouraged. And discouraged. What happens <laughs> if you look this way? No, 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 no. This is just, it's a, listen. It is as simple as this. You go this way, what do you have? Instead of afraid, you have? Faith, maybe it's expectancy, right? Instead of panic, you have joy. Amen. Instead of despair, you have hope. Yes. Instead of discouraged, you have? Encouraged. Courage. Courage. Simple now. And so when you listen to the things now that God is saying, I will. I'm thinking now, okay, so, so, you know, I know what God's going to do because he's a good guy. How many say God's a good guy? Yes. Amen. Okay. He's a good guy. He's going to say, I'm going to lead you into the promised land and don't worry about the big walled cities. Mm -hmm. He didn't say that. Don't worry about all those big guys with knives. He didn't say that. Don't worry about the swords. Don't worry about the guns. Don't worry about, don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry. He didn't say that. He didn't say you're going to have all these problems when you get there. And never mind. Did I mention the children of Anak? Right? If you don't know who those people are, uh, Goliath. Was, a was one of the sons of Anak. These were giants. They're a race of giants. They found the, the houses of these guys. The doorways are like nine feet off the ground, 10 feet off the ground. <laughs> these were enormous people. God says, listen, I need you to be 
strong, yeah. and I need you to be courageous. And the way you're going to do that is I, not I, you, not I, Ian. I, God. Yes. I, God. Focus on I, God. I will go before you. I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will not fail you. When we focus on the I, the big I, when we focus on that in the midst of our trial, and we go forward now, victory, going forward, looking at our next 10 years, going forward at all of these things God is asking us to do, and we're thinking, how the heck is that going to, how is that going to work? I, well, I will go before you. God says, I've already been there. I've been there and back. <laughs> That's how you have to be there and be with you, right? You have to go there and go back. So he said, God, I've already beaten the path for you. Don't worry. Amen. Well, I don't know if there's there. No, God says there's there. Right? I don't know if they're going to make it from, you can't get from here to there. Yes, you can. God says, I, I already did it. I already been there. Amen. I don't know if I can do it, God. No, you probably can't do it, but don't worry. I'll be with you. I'll be with you every step of the way. I won't ever, ever, I won't ever leave you. You will never be alone. But can I tell you something from my first 15 years with God? I felt like I was alone the whole time. Do you know why you feel alone all the time? Are you looking in the wrong direction? Right? If, I, if Jerry is right there and I'm looking at Alex, I don't know Jerry's there. I can look at Alex for 10 years. I still won't know Jerry's there. You see that? We feel alone. We feel like God has abandoned us. Why? Because we didn't look at the wrong direction. How can the whole nation of Israel be like this? They're spending four, did they have to spend 400 years in the, in the, in the wilderness? I mean, uh, in Egypt? Did they have to spend 40 years in the desert? Did you have to go with the 10 spies, not the two guys? We'd have to do that. How did they do that? Well, we were grasshoppers in their sight. Right? These are the big people. They got big cities. They got big fortitude. They got big walls. They got big guns. They got, Joshua comes back and says, man, they got big grapes. What was Joshua looking at? He wasn't looking at the big cities and all that stuff. He was saying, you know what God, God has promised. Yeah. Let's go, boys. Yeah. You see what's happened here? We, 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 when we, listen now, this is what's important. When we, because we, you don't say, well, God, you did forsake me. Because I was afraid and I did panic and I was discouraged and I did despair. And so we have all of these experiences in the past that says God was not there with me. God did not help me. God was not with me. God did fail me, or somebody did. Instead, we, all we have to realize is that whole time, yeah. this is so terrible. <laughs> the whole time, the only problem was I was looking in the wrong direction. Hey. And by looking in the wrong direction, <laughs> filled my life. Do you see that? What God is trying to say to us is, he wants to teach us simply how to look in the other direction. Amen. These things here almost become inconsequential. Say this is me. I know. I know. God has gone before me. God has gone before me. I know. I know. God is with me. God is with me. I know. I know. He will never forsake me. He will never forsake me. I know. I know. He will never fail me. Yes, he will never fail me. So I think that the really the question is, you know, please your, use your voting your pads at this time to. Uh, I wish your drawing was better than this. This is just bad. But I think that really, I'm not even going to use this. I can't. <laughs> I have poor penmanship. I think that the question then comes, how do we change directions, right? I mean, if it is actually as simple as this, I mean, I think sometimes in Christianity, it's so frustrating because it's like, oh, you mean this is all I have to do is just turn my smile into, or my frown into a smile and everything is going to be good. I think that that's the question. I think the question is, 
what does it look like on an everyday moving forward in the midst of my problems, in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the thoughts, in the midst of my bank account, in the midst of my doctor's notes, in the midst of these things, what is it that I do to ensure that my focus is on the Lord and not on my problems? You know, I was asking the Lord this a little while ago, and he gave me three amazingly simple things that I do. And I, I'm telling you, I have done these in my own life. And so if you can do three simple things, I mean, think about this, like three easy, uh, three easy steps, uh, right? Three easy payments. I will guarantee you, okay, this is a money back guarantee, okay? If you can do three things, you can experience faith, expectation, joy, hope, courage, and it's simple. Let me tell you the very first thing that you have to do, and I would argue the most important part of this whole process is you have to let the past go. You have to let go of the times in the past where you thought God failed you. Let me tell you, the reason why the Israelites couldn't go into the promised land was they were so focused on all the times before that they thought that God failed them. They thought, they thought, they, their thinking was in the wrong direction. And so the first thing we have to do is we have to force ourselves to change our perspective on the situations that are happening in our life. If I use the past and the past disappointments, my past failures, the past times when I thought that God wasn't with me, the past times that I was so convinced that God could have intervened, if I allowed that to be the lens of my life, I'm guaranteed to continue facing in this direction. Because here's the reality, looking in this direction uh, is, would seem foolish to me. I mean, if every time that I thought that I looked at God, God let me down, then naturally the only other direction to look is I need to look at my problems. And this is where most Christians unfortunately find themselves. They are forced to try to figure out, or they think they're forced to try to figure out their own life, their own problems, their own situations, because they've wrongly perceived things that have happened in the past. And can I say here too, we often, even when we looked at God, we didn't look at God to give us courage and, and hope and faith and expectancy. We looked at God to go fix our problem. Yes. And then, no, that's not how it works. What, how God fixes the problem is he changes us. Right. right. If all I'm doing when I'm young and I don't understand these things or I grew up in a religious environment that says all you do is pray and God will fix your problem for you. You know, you can't make it till next Sunday before that all fell apart. That's right. And so you learn that that does not how it works. And so if, if all of this, you know, Jesus and God stuff is all just some flutter flutter. What are you going to do? I'm going to start trying to fix my problems. I'm going to start facing in the other direction because God, I mean, I can't count on God. Maybe he helps me every now and again when I hit the lottery numbers, right? But other than that, I need to work. This is serious. Pro my problems, you know, I don't know what your problems are like, but my problems is real problems. That's right. I got to go take care of my problems. And when we do that, as Alex is saying, turn ourselves around, all of a sudden, it's not long before we're buried in this afraid, despair, panic situation. And if you and now you know understand how this how do this supernatural stuff works, it don't work with fear, panic, afraid, and discouraged. That's right. You got to be on the other side of the equation before that supernatural ability, your superpower, doesn't work if you got kryptonite all over you. That's right. Right. That's why this is such an important. This courage issue is such an important thing. And when we relate to God and go to God, as I think you might be sharing in a second, when we have some strategies to go to God, I'm not going to God to get him to fix my problems. That's right. Who am I going to, who am I going to God to fix? Me. Right? My <laughs> wife. Right. You're right. No, I'm you going to God to fix me. And when I have that right perspective, I realize, God, you know what? You're going to have to help me to see that I can overcome the impossible. Because having the, have an impossible, have a staring contest with you, it doesn't feel good. That's right. And so the only reason, the only way we overcome impossible is when God changes us on the inside that we realize I'm transcendent because of my faith, expectancy, joy, hope, and courage. That's right. Causes me to stand up over And I think that that's really where in Philippians 3.13, Paul makes the statement where he says, I forget what is behind and I press on. 
I think that sometimes what we do is we only do the second half of that verse. We think that, you know, onward Christian soldier, right? We think that all that matters is that we just keep pressing forward. But you see, I'm telling you what Paul shows us here is that the first thing that I have to do in order to actually move forward is I have to forget those things that are behind me. Those times where I thought that God failed me. Those times that I thought that God let me down. All the areas in my past where I have perceived the wrongful character of God. I have to let those things go. Leave them in the past. Because let me tell you, if you try to just keep moving forward, all that you end up doing is walking in a circle. You just keep going back to new situation, but the same outcome. New situation, same outcome. New problem, same outcome. Why? Because if I don't leave the past, the wrong perspectives, the wrong understandings, this, the, the, the wrong image, the wrong understanding of the nature of God, all that I'm going to do is I'm going to keep repeating my problems. But Paul tells us in Philippians 13, and he goes on to say that, right, that I can do all things through Christ. How is that possible? possible. It's possible when I leave the past in the past, forget what's behind. I know it seemed bad. I know that you've been hurt. No one here is trying to come in here and tell you that those things in the past that hurt you that, oh, it's not real. They are real. It is real. Things have happened in our past. But I tell you something, things in the past are not worth the promise of God in our future. And so we have to choose. It's a conscious decision in every day when I feel afraid, when I feel panicked, when I feel despaired or discouraged. It's a forceful decision to what? Let, go, let it go in the past, the times that it happened before, the things that happened before. I let them go. Why? Because I understand that it's necessary in order for me to press on. Put your hand over your heart. Yes. How many of you know, you know that Pastor Alex is telling you the truth, not trying to hurt your feelings? And say, Heavenly Father, I know that I've called you out, that I've thought that you weren't, you weren't going ahead of me, you weren't even with me, that you abandoned me. Holy Spirit, I need that stuff washed out of my soul. I know, I'm humble enough to know that it was simply the devil lying to me, telling me that God wasn't faithful to his word. And so from this moment forward, Father, I ask you, erase that stuff from my heart. Every time it comes up, Holy Spirit, remind me that's a lie and that I have broken the power of that lie from my life. And from this moment forward, I choose to believe God is for me. God is with me. He'll never fail me. In Jesus' name. So the second action step is, is I have to choose to trust. Okay, so write that down. Choose, choose to, trust. to trust. And then circle the word choose like 10 times in five different colors. Let me tell you, moving forward, walking into the promises, changing direction, it is a choice. We're going to pray the prayers. We're going to do the business. We're going to preach the words. We're going to pump you up. But only you can turn your frown upside down. Only you can choose to change directions. I'm telling you, it's possible, but how do we do it? Number one, I have to constantly being re be renewing my mind to the word of God. Look to your neighbor and say, renew your mind. You have to renew your mind. Listen, 24-7, the world, things, situations, problems are trying to tell us what the truth is. Things are happening. You, have, you got rhema issues. You got lies. You got past hurts and past disappointments. And so often what those things try to do is they try to shape our reality of how we think about our future and moving forward. So what do we have to do? We have to choose to renew our mind. That means how do we do that? Number one, in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I have to renew my mind through my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, the easiest way 
for you to get to know someone and their nature is to talk to them. It's a perfect example. I knew my wife, Danielle, for like 12 years before we ever started dating. And even though I knew her for a long time, you know, I really knew nothing about her. In fact, I, totally, I thought she was totally different than what she was. That's why I never dated her 12 years before. Right? <laughs> that has saved me a lot of time and problems. But the easiest way, let me tell you, in order to get to know someone is to talk to them. You see, so often people, you know, they wonder, how do I do it? How do I get to know God? How do I change the nature? And my answer to them is simple. Just spend a couple minutes every day and talk to him. Just talk to him. You know, if you take a look at the Joshua chapter one, you, you all know this scripture. It's going to be embarrassing that we all know this scripture. But when the Lord spoke to, to Joshua saying, okay, now it's time for you to go. He repeats himself again in verse six, Joshua chapter one. Be strong and very courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land which I have sworn unto their ancestors I would give them. He says in verse 7, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate to, from them, turning either to the left or, the tr or to the right. Mm -hmm. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Now is what Pastor Alex is saying. Verse 8, study this book of instruction. The, yes. the, what they had of the Bible at that time is only the first five books of the Bible. But those five books had a lot of cool things in them, right? And you're, meta you're thinking about them all the time. You're hearing about the Exodus. You're hearing about the laws of God. You're hearing about the laws of interacting with other people. You're hearing about all this wisdom. It's where you're, you're being percolated in that. How many of you have ever get, been in an environment where people are negative, negative, negative all the time? Yeah. How many of you know it's yeah. hard to stay positive? That's right. How many of you know that? How many say, yeah, can put your hand if you know, yep, yep, I've been there. Well, how many of you know you stay in a positive environment all the time? You might have walked in negative, but That's you right. stay in that positive environment for a while. Mm -hmm. How many of you say it's hard to stay negative? That's right. How many That's know it's true. hard to frown when everybody else is laughing? Yes. Isn't it? Yes. I mean, you can do it for a while. I do it for a while. <laughs> snarl, 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 snarl. But after a while, that's what Pastor Alex is talking about. Yes. What he's talking about is if you get yourself into these simple environments where you are meditating on the word, is what God says here, study this book, meditate on the word continually, day and night, so that you will be sure to obey what's written then, only then will you prosper and succeed. Why? Because as we are meditating on the word of God, we're not meditating on the word of God so that we can come and impress Pastor Ian with how much we know. <laughs> how many things? Because we've done this. We've, we've meditated on it so that we could memorize it, so that we can, so, but that's not the point. When you read the word of God, what you are looking for, as Pastor Alex said, I need to get a relationship. I need to know what God is like. Yeah. As I read stories about him, as I listen to the words that he speaks, I'm starting to get to know him. I'm starting to realize this is what God is like. And I, you said, God, people told me God was angry and mean. I, he's, he's telling me here to be strong and courageous. He's tell, telling me that he won't fail. He's going to come beside me. He's going to help me. Now, this doesn't sound like anybody that's angry. But what we've got to be doing, we've got to get back to that place where the, the word of God is giving us a relationship with the guy who wrote the word of God. Yes. And then we spend time with Jesus who is the word of God. Yes. And then we spend time with the Holy Spirit who leads us into the truth of the word of God. So that as we go through those processes now, what's happening in us is where he's, I get to know my father. Yes. I get to know who my father is. And when I get to know who my father is, I start to realize he's not going to be late for dinner. Hey. He's going to show up on time because yeah. I know that's his nature. And when I know that's his nature, courage is the, we don't have to try to get courage. That's right. Do you need courage when you know God's behind you? You know, if I, if I go to a, black, dark, a dark alley and Caleb's with me, I don't, I don't need courage. <laughs> I got Caleb. Caleb. Caleb's right there. <laughs> right? That's how this works. When I know God is with me, show me a big problem. There's no such thing as a big problem. That's right. Remember the saying, you know, you know show me your big problem, I'll show you my big God? Yeah. Right? All of a sudden, you got a little problem. But that's all this is. This is just simple soul mathematics here that if I'm taking the time every day in advance before the problem shows up to build my relationship to know the nature of the God who's promised these things to me, when I do face the issue, I face it with faith and expectancy, right. with joy, with, with uh, whatever those other words are over there. That's how this works. Yes. And number three, 
is we have to choose to step out. Oh, let's pray. Heavenly okay. Father, put your hand over your heart and say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly this is a big Father. one. Ready for this, folks? Yes. Heavenly Father, I want a relationship with you through your word, through your son, and through your Holy Spirit. I want to know who you are. I want to get a glimpse of your real nature. You ready for this? And I'm going to do, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to spend time meditating on the word of God so that I can see your face in your book. I'm going to spend time communing with Jesus through his life and his words so I can get a glimpse of who he is. And he said, if you see me, you see the Father. So as we see Jesus, we can see the nature of the Father. And I commit to spending time talking, communing with the Holy Spirit so that I can get to know who the Holy Spirit is, knowing that he's going to guide me into the truth, which is the word, which is Jesus, which is the nature of my Father. And when I do that, I know I'm going to get faith. I'm going to get expectancy. I'm going to get joy. I'm going to get hope. And I'm going to get courage because I know God is with me. He's gone before me. He'll never abandon me and he'll never fail me. That's the truth. And that's the truth. So number three, like I said, is stepping out. I mean, we see examples of what this looks like all in scripture. We have Joshua at Jericho, right? We have Gideon at the wine press. We have David as he runs out after Goliath. Even when we look at Jesus as he's in the garden of Gethsemane, every single person who has ever done anything great for God has always had a moment where they had to step out in trust. I mean, how easy would it have been if God would have killed Goliath moments before yeah, David ran into battle? That would, that would have been awesome, right? Or like, you know, if, if God killed all the army that was coming against Gideon and then he called Gideon, mighty man of valor, right? I mean, that would be easy. And sometimes that's what we want. I mean, like, let's be honest, who wouldn't want that to happen? It'd be an amazing story. But I tell you something, if those guys wouldn't have chose to run into battle, if they wouldn't have chosen to come out behind the wine press, they would have never done anything great for God. You know, those people that are in the Bible, they didn't, it wasn't like predestined that they were going to make it into the Bible. They made it into the Bible because they chose to rely on and trust in the nature of God rather than trusting in maybe the things that they were believing in moments ago. But like nothing happened to Gideon, right? I mean, it wasn't like, you know, an angel came down and, you know, imparted this great wisdom and this great warrior spirit on the inside. Nothing happened. He was the same guy. What? But he had a choice. Just like each and every one of us, every day as we wake up, every day as we walk out, every day as we face life challenges, we have a choice of whether we're going to shrink back or whether we're going to step out. You see, God can only meet us Get this, God can only meet us when we first choose to step out. I mean, isn't that sometimes so frustrating? Like whenever God asks you to do something, you want to be like, God, just tell me the whole plan. Like, give me A to Z, and then, hey, I'm going to step out, you know? And while you're at it, throw a million bucks in my bank account, and then for sure, I'll step out and do what you need me to do. But that's never what God asks us to do. God always asks us to take the first step into impossible. And it's so amazing though. He always meets us in that moment. I mean, David had to run at Goliath in order to meet, in order to beat him. Jesus had to go through yeah. the garden of Gethsemane in order to accomplish his destiny. We all are have to, and we're going to go through difficulty. We're going to go through those things. But I tell you something, as we are willing and diligent to take the first step and continue to take the first step, that when this maybe looks so big and so intense that we're so desperate to just say, Lord, I trust you. I trust in your nature and I'm just gonna choose to take one step. I know the doctor said it's impossible, but I'm choosing to take this step. I know that my banker said it's impossible, but I'm choosing. I know that my husband or wife said it's impossible, but I'm choosing. Yeah. And when we choose to step out in that moment, 
God's power becomes activated in our life. And we look at it in the stories as we read about them. And as we go through, I mean, story after story after story in the scripture, God never didn't step out. Yeah. I mean, you don't read it anywhere in the Bible that somebody stepped out because God told them to do something and it was like, oh, you know, heaven is laughing, you know, as he slips and falls, like, oh, it's like a YouTube video, right? I mean, that never happens in scripture and I guarantee you it will never happen in your life. That when we step out and obey what God is doing, although in the moment, the outcome might not make sense. But you ever have that before? I mean, things like that happen to me, where you go through something that's so bad, and you're like, oh God, why did this happen to me? And why did this go on? And then like three years later, something amazing happens to you, and God reminds you of that time before, and and you didn't realize that what happened as a result of that, what it was building the character and the discipline, and now you're living in your promised land, and God reminds you about that thing that you thought was a bad outcome three years ago, and now you're like, oh my gosh, what, I'm so thankful that I went through that thing. That's why I tell you, we need to have God's perspective. We need to understand that regardless of how it looks, that when I take a step out, I'm not like waiting and, you know, I'm constantly peeking back at my problem. You know, I look at God for a second, then I'm peeking back at my problem. And then I'm looking at God, then I'm peeking back at my problem. No, but I'm choosing, I'm forcefully choosing to keep my eyes on the Lord. And when I step out and it doesn't look the way that I thought it was going to look, what do I do? I'm taking another step. And then when I take a step out and it definitely doesn't look, I'm not looking back at my problem. Because looking at your problem isn't gonna accomplish anything. What I'm doing is I'm continuing to keep my eyes focused on the Lord. And Jesus said it like this in Mark 10, that with man alone, you're right, it is impossible. But with God, all All things things are possible. Amen. We take that same story, if you were flipping your Bible over to Acts chapter four. Now remember where we are in scripture now, we have this uh, you know, Jesus said, you know, the resurrection had happened. Now we're in the beginning of the book of Acts where Jesus and the ascension is happening. And then we have the, the 120 are up in the upper room. And then we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you know, the cloven tongues and fire and mighty rushing wind. Now we show up in, in Acts chapter four here. Peter is out ministering and the person that he's ministering to gets healed. And then the the Sanhedrin, you know, the religious leaders of the day, all of a sudden they show up and they're all concerned (coughs) about what is going on here because they thought they crucified this Jesus fella and that everybody's going to, you know, shut the heck up when it comes to that Jesus thing and the problem is going to go away. They only find out that when they took took rid of one, now 12 of them, 120 of them showed up and they all look like they're doing what Jesus, so they decided we're going to, we're going to lock you up. And then they're going to lock them up and then they're going to bring them before the Sanhedrin. They're going to say, okay, we're not concerned. You're going to, you, I don't want to put you in jail. I don't want to punish you. All I need you to do is don't do any more of this stuff in Jesus' name stuff anymore. And Peter turns to him and says, well, I'm afraid you're going to have to make a decision for me then whether I should listen to you or whether I should listen to God. In front of all these people, you need to tell me to listen to you rather than listen to God. And of course, they don't want to do that. So there's a boldness right there, but Peter knew, all the disciples knew that they were in a serious amount of trouble here. They had just witnessed what happened when Jesus stood up to these guys. Now they're doing the same thing. How many of you know, if you look at that, having just watched Jesus go to the cross, they're saying, wow, these guys are, these guys are feeling some of this maybe panic and, and afraid and discouraged and despaired stuff. At least it's trying to get on them. Listen, verse 29, now Lord, now they're talking here, they're in the middle of this situation and Peter starts out by saying he's praying and he says this, now Lord, where's where's Peter's eyes? Which way is he looking? Right? This this is a life-threatening situation they're dealing with. This isn't just, you know, maybe it's going to cost you a few bucks. This is a life-threatening situation. And he says, now Lord, Look at their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness, they may speak the word. Now, how many of you would say, well, okay, Lord, you look at all their threats. Let's have some lightning bolts right now and take care of all my problems. That's what we would say, perhaps. That's not what these guys said. These said, okay, Lord, grant yours now that you see this problem that we are facing. That's all he's going to talk about right now. That's it. Now he starts talking about what did we, God, give us boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. Not Peter's hand, although it was Peter's hand that was doing the the, the reaching out. 
by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of our, your holy son, Jesus. And when they prayed, what did they pray? They prayed afraid? They prayed panic? No. They prayed despair? They prayed, it doesn't sound discouraged to me. It says, now Lord, they're looking at God. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with courage. You see what happened there? It's exactly the same picture now of them facing a situation like Pastor Alex is saying. They're stepping out into that situation and when they get into that situation, they're now in it. The problem in something way over there, the problem's right in front of them. And even though they're doing it, they're making sure I'm not looking at this problem. In order for me to maintain faith and expectancy and hope and courage and those things, I need to be, I need to keep my face towards God. I need to always have his perspective. And I keep saying, Lord, give me more courage. Give me more courage. Give me, fill me with the Holy Spirit again. Refill me, refill me, refill me. How do you do that? You do that, you pray in tongues, building up your most holy faith. Praying in tongues, take the time. Get out there, spend time with God. Let him get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Like I'll tell you, you can go to where, where does Gail live? Where's Gail? Right across the road from Gail's house, that's that little lookout at the end there. When I'm in this place, I go out, I stand on that thing and I say, God, you're bigger than this lake. Now he's a lot bigger than the lake. But for me, because I, 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 what's happening is when I'm getting these discouraged, problem getting big, God getting small, right? So I go and I stand on that thing and I start yelling. Nobody can hear me. Hopefully I don't wake Gail and Donovan. You look st screaming out into that lake that God, you're bigger, you're bigger, God. You're bigger. You're bi you made the lake. You're bigger than this lake. The problem is small and you're big. The problem is small and you're big. The problem is small and you're, what's happening on the inside is, and it, I only have to be there now two minutes. And I can start feeling the courage coming up on the inside. I can feel the boldness. I can feel the can do that's going on on the inside. Let me give you a couple of these. We have to be braver than we think we can be because God is always, is constantly calling us to be more than we are. Can I tell you, that's just, that's just how Christianity works. There is no place, you can retire if you like. It's like Tommy Reed says, he said, he said to me last year, I can't forget the things. He said, you know Ian, you know this, he's 85 years old. He says, I constantly have pressure to take one stair at a time. He says, but I don't. I still take two stairs at a time. What's he saying? The reason he can make it to 85 and still be, you know, running my phone like crazy so he wants to start and write another book. 85 years old. You don't have to ever retire. You can, but if you keep going with God, God keep going with you. And he says, you know, you need, you got courage now, you need more to get to the next level. You got some, okay, you got some at that level, you need more to get to the next level. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. We need more courage because God ain't ever done. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. That first one was Madeline Dangle or Langle or something. This is Brene Brown. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. How many of you know that that's true? A light in a light place, you can't tell how bright it is. But if you take a light into a dark place, then you realize this is how powerful you actually are. What Alex is saying, what Alex is saying to you is, if you take the risk, if you step out a little bit out into where it's maybe a little uncomfortable and you let your little light shine, you're going to start seeing how bright your little light is. Theodore Roosevelt says, believe you can, and you're halfway there. It's simple. And when, but when you're facing the wrong way, you, you believe you can't. Just face in the right direction and you'll get there. And finally this, as a bit of advice from Robert Louis Stevenson. Keep your fears to yourself, but share your courage with others. What does that do? That's in an environment like ours. When we say, you know what? I get the fact that we got to go change the world. I get the fact that we got to go and, you know, do the music and do churches and, you know, do Light City, uh, uh, do uh, Contact North. And we got plans going on all over the place and great things that are happening and all that's really good. But you know what? What we need to do is we need to start working, get that courage, that goal. We can do this. We can get ourselves together. We can encourage each other. We can share our courage with one another. And we can just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going and keep on going and see where is that place that God is calling us to go. As every one of us, we do that. We lock arms together. 
knowing that we're called here, knowing that God brought us here on purpose, filled us up with the knowledge that we have of supernatural things, the knowledge of the Word of God, the knowledge of the Spirit of God, and then pointed us in a direction and says, go, knowing that we can go, knowing that we can, we can overcome, knowing that there is no such thing as impossible. There's no such thing as Goliath's ability to stand in our way and prevent us from getting there. Every single one of us burning on the very inside of you is a destiny and a purpose of God. When we have the courage to go, when we have the faith, when we have the expectancy, when we have the, uh, the joy to go, we are going to be amazed as we gaze upon the things God has for us. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Lord, I'm strong enough to go a little, to step out in the places that you are calling me to step out in. I don't have to jump off a cliff, but I do have to take a step towards you. I do have to take a step towards your plan for my life. And here it is right now, my commitment every single day to take a little step forward, to learn the system that as I look towards you in the midst of my problem, courage, hope, faith, and joy build in my heart. I go from I can't to I can. I go from impossible to inevitable simply by looking at you. So here's my commitment. I'm going to look at you and then I'm going to step out and do the things that you're calling me to do. In Jesus' name, this is a truth and I'll live out of this truth and the blessing that it creates for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, I think there's a tie. I think there's a tie. He wanted us to vote, but I don't think we could ever do that. Everybody, the clap for Ian. <laughs> no. Can I, can it was I a tiebreaker. We got the little can applause. I, can I just share the obvious for like two minutes? Amazing teaching. I'm better looking than Alex. Yes. No, some, sometimes what can frustrate Christians that have served God for a while is that we all have this expectation that when we come to know God, our life should be changing over time. And sometimes what frustrates Christians is that we look at our lives and it feels like things are not changing. When I, maybe this is just me, but I've heard a lot of, in 30 years, amazing teachings like this. And sometimes what happens to us is that we look at this and it all makes sense and we almost take it like a suggestion, you know? It's good, and we want to do these things because we love God and we want to please God. Do you know, I'm sitting there tonight and I'm thinking, when we look at that and we think, my life in God should be getting better and better. But what you showed me tonight is, I know we don't do things out of law. You know, we want to do things out of relationship and out of truth. But what you showed me tonight is that when I keep allowing myself to fall into fear of situations where I don't force myself to get the freedom and deal with things, then I'm not experiencing a release of the faith and the blessing of God that brings the increase and turns the situation around. If I don't deal with the fears and every time I face something, whether I I'm catapulted over it or I go through it or you know I'm delivered from it if I don't force myself to deal with the negative that's inside of me then my life keeps looking the same and I'm not releasing the blessing and the power of God to bring the increase we have to deal with this stuff if we're going to see the increase this is not just a suggestion. It's not just something that we're doing because we love God, but we're never going to see the blessings that are ours in Christ if we don't ever deal with this stuff.
this explains a lot. It explains why we are where we are. It explains why we've been facing some of the same things as Pastor Alex said over and over again. We have to deal with the discouragement. We have to deal with the despair. We have to deal with the fear and the panic and the anxiety. We gotta let God come in, uproot it through coming to know Him so that when we look to Him, blessing flows, power flows, increase flows, and my life goes from glory to glory to glory. This is not a suggestion. If you want the provision, the protection, the blessing that the cross and the blood are telling us are ours, we got some business to take care of. I got some business to take care of. Maybe you have some business to take care of. Thank you, Lord, for answering a lot of the whys about where we are today. Amen.